0: So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My JavaScript stories. This week, we're talking to Christine Leg. Christine, do you want to say hi? Hello. Now, you were on episode 328 of JavaScript Jabber. We talked about functional programming and Ramda. Uh, Do you want to just remind people who you are real quick and then we'll jump in and talk about you?
1: Sure. So um, I was on talking about Ramda. I had just started at that point, like maybe it was like two weeks in. I just started working at Google in New York. And prior to that, I was working at ZenHub, which is a um, project management tool uh, kind of a startup in Vancouver. So when I was originally talking about Ramda, that was because I was using it at Zen Hub a lot. And now that I'm at Google, I don't use it anymore, but still enjoy learning about that type of stuff and talking about it.
0: Cool. Well, this show, we try and tell your story and give people an idea of where you've come from and how you learned to program and things like that. So let's let's start there. Let's start with how you... Uh, got into programming
1: okay so uh i actually in like high school and everything wasn't that interested in computers at all my family wouldn't they didn't let us spend much time on the computer my parents would limit us to like half an hour a day or something and you know we, we can use msn or any of those things we could right. just like check our email or whatever so i had like absolutely no idea what programming was let alone like Like, I I couldn't really do much on the computer at all. So when I graduated from high school, I wanted to do um, applied math. Uh So I went into an engineering program at University of Toronto. And the goal was that I would do, like, it's like a general first year, first two years, and then you specialize. So I was hoping to specialize in the applied math part of that. And for engineering, you have to take an an introduction to programming class in first year Mm -hmm. so I was actually like dreading this there's like a four hour I remember seeing on my schedule that I had a four hour computer science lab in the morning and I was like I can barely turn my computer on um (laughs) so I actually ended up like hating the program and I dropped out like three months into it or something and the only thing that I liked the only class that I liked was the computer science class which is not what I was expecting because it was kind of similar. It was kind of the stuff that I liked about math um, uh-huh. where like there's like a concrete answer and stuff like that, but it wasn't. So the math that we were doing was really th- theoretical and I don't like that part of it. Like I like that practical applications and obviously with was like programming. You can see the practical applications of like the problem solving that you're doing. So I came back to Vancouver and I said to my parents that I wanted an office job. I don't really know why I wanted an office job, but they said, you you know, you have to work, like dropped out of school, you got to work now. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get an office job. So I went to the YMCA Career Center by my house and I went in there and I said, I want an office job. And the guy's like, what office job experience do you have? And I'd like worked at Canadian Tire and a garden store. And I was like, I don't have any. He said, okay, we'll find anything. That says we'll train for experience. So he found me this job that was basically just data entry. And uh-huh. it was myself and the like the founder of the company, the president of the company, who was a computer science like guy. That was his background. And he hired me to do data entry. And when he interviewed me, he's like, Oh, do you have any interest in programming? And I said, like, Oh, I actually did quite like the class that I did, but I don't have any experience. And uh-huh. he's like, Okay, we'll hire you for data entry. And if you want to learn, then you can learn. So Nice. Yeah, so I started working for him and then he ended up he would do like 4 hours a week with me where he would teach me C sharp. And so then I did that and then I ended up going back to school and for computer science while I was still working there part-time. Yeah, so basically the uh the guy from that job like got me into programming. I kind of did it backwards like I got the job first <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, sure, this looks fun."
0: So what was it that you enjoyed? I mean, you said that you liked seeing the outcome from your work, but was there more to it than that or was that pretty much it?
1: Uh, that's pretty much it. I like the I like the um like I like the problem-solving part of it. Like I like uh-huh. how you can break things down. The, the part that's interesting for me, I wouldn't say is like the technology necessarily. Like right. I, I'm not that into like you know, I don't, I don't necessarily keep up to date on all the newest, you know, trends and all these things. But I actually just like like the problem solving part of it. So it's like, oh, you need to display this thing, so you you get you know data in some form, and then you have to kind of step by step break it down to get it into the thing, like you know, to transform it into something that's useful that you can display. It. I like that part of it the most, it, especially when I started. That was what I liked, and yeah, the the guy that I worked for, he wasn't the most up to date on any of the trends either so I like was really behind like we were making a desktop application and you know weren't using any like external libraries right I didn't even really I didn't even really know that those things like existed so I just like the problem solving part just like yeah writing code I guess
0: cool so you got in you start doing c-sharp you're building this desktop app you go back to school so you got a four-year degree in computer science
1: yeah, so I I studied computer science and statistics, a combined major. Ah. I I haven't done much with the statistics part. Gotcha. I would still like to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was gonna say nerd, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So uh, so yes, yeah, so you graduate. How do you make the transition then from building desktop apps to building web apps?
1: So in my mind, so I stayed while I was doing my degree. I worked part time for um one company and then during the summers I'd work there full time so I was originally doing like part data entry and then you know started shifting more and more to doing development work but I was only doing like basically like the client facing part of this web application Mm -hmm. and I think that I thought that what computer science was was like the back end like I don't know setting up servers and and I really like didn't know anything about that at all. So I kind of thought that web development was like, like, I, I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. That to me was like real computer science. Huh. Um, like I was like, if I know how to do web development, then I'll feel like a programmer and like, I'll know all this like new stuff. So basically I worked there for uh, that one company for five years. And then I, I thought it was time to, branch out and learn something more like I thought that I kind of learned everything I needed to learn from there so I uh, started applying for internships it was my last my last summer before like I have one more semester left so it was my last summer to get an internship and so I got one at a company called Axioms in Vancouver and they're like they hired me and they're like what do you want to do And I was like, I want to do web development because this kind of seemed like a gap that I was missing. I I don't really know. Yeah, I I had done a class on web development and my partner had done an internship previously with a, uh, he was doing web development in his previous internship. So we, we had to work together and build like this really, really basic web app. And he basically just did the whole thing because it took him like, I don't know, like an hour to do it. Like he set up bootstrap and like hooked up like the back end and the front end. And I remember just having no idea what was going on. And I was so intimidated working with him and being like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what any of this stuff means. So Mm -hmm. I think that kind of drove me wanting to do web development. So I started at Axiom. So I said, I have no experience, but that's what I want to do. and so they. Hired me on ZenHub, which was the web application that the Mm -hmm. company had, and so I just basically got thrown in there day one. And they're like, "Okay, here you go, web development. Time to learn JavaScript." I remember my first bug was like, like basically like realign something in CSS. Like it was like one line of CSS. It took me like four hours of like back from my head. (laughs) I didn't even understand like what the CSS part was. And I remember finally like my. He he was kind of my boss, but he sat beside me and I looked at him and I was like, I don't even know where to start. And he's like, So this is CSS, like <laughs> right here. Um, so it started out like that. But I really ended up I like I love JavaScript. I think is mm-hmm.
0: really cool. Cool. So what was it about JavaScript that really drew you in as opposed to C sharp or some of the other languages that you'd experienced?
1: Um, it's much more simple. Like I like how you can just run. You don't need much setup. Like you could just run, like you know, a script, and Mm -hmm. from top to bottom, and it'll run. I liked. I'm I'm currently working in TypeScript, and I used to like the lack of types in JavaScript, but now I'm actually I like TypeScript even more. But anyways, I I like how kind of free it is to do what you want. I like how you can do. I really like functional programming. So I like how that's easy to do with JavaScript. The other thing that I like is just how many, you know, like open source libraries and like the big community. Maybe there's a big community for C Sharp, but I don't know because I wasn't involved in it then. But, you know, like there's just lots of, I think there's so many applications for it. And I just really like, I really like how basically how flexible the language is. Like you can, you can kind of follow whatever paradigm you want with JavaScript. So you can do object-oriented programming with JavaScript. You can do functional programming with JavaScript. You can, you can combine the two. It, so it, you don't end up being like constrained by you no. know what the language lets you or doesn't let you do.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so you get in, you start working on Zenhub, you figure out this whole JavaScript thing. Were you doing back-end work too, or was you, were you mostly focused on the front-end?
1: I was mostly focused on the front end. I don't really know how that started. I, I think I just, a couple of the first things I started working on was front end and I was involved in we refactored the front end from Backbone to uh, React right when I started. So I was like really involved in that. So then I ended up being like more of a kind of a go-to person on the team for, you know, React, mm-hmm. Redux questions versus the back. And the, the state of the back end was a bit crazy also. So there's a lot of, you know, like tribal knowledge or whatever they call it, where you have to kind of know how the backend works, like right, in order to work on it. So I never, our, our backend was Node though, so it was also JavaScript. Right. Um, but I didn't, I did a little bit of work on it, but not much.
0: Cool. So uh, what, what have you done in JavaScript that you're particularly proud of? I mean, I know you spoke at the conference and you've kind of been out there talking about Ramda. Are there other things that you've done that you're excited to share with us?
1: I mean, to be honest, no, I, uh, so yeah. So my, my involvement with like Ramdan stuff was kind of my first introduction to like what you can do with like your mm-hmm. computer science knowledge outside of just right. like work at a job and, and write code and stuff. So, so my, um, mentor at my old office, Pablo, he was the one that really encouraged me to like, like, Oh, you should, he, so he wrote a book on D3 and he didn't he knew D3, but he basically got contact. He just kind of started, you know, researching it a lot. And then eventually got contacted to write a book. And he's like, yeah, when I started writing the book, I didn't know anything about it. And to me, I kind of had thought that all these people that are experts in my mind, you know, they're just like experts forever. They were always experts, but everybody has to start somewhere. So that's what I was trying to do with those talks and stuff like that. And what I'm still trying to do. So it was a big move. I, I was focused on um, for the last like six, seven months. I've been focused on trying on like moving. So I had the the Google interview. I really wanted to move to New York, and so that consumed a lot of my time. So I was doing right. a lot of practice questions and stuff like that. And then I I had to move, and so now that I'm back and and settling in, I do really want to find. Probably I won't stick with Ramda because I think that I learned what I wanted to learn from that and I'm not using it anymore, but I want to find a new technology that I'm working on or that's interesting to me in the open source community that I can kind of start, you know, going deep into that and making like open source contributions and stuff that that's really interesting to me. And and I think that's a cool part of computer science where you can make an impact like outside of your job really easily mm-hmm. like it's super easy to just contribute to a library or to learn about all these things and so I yeah I don't have anything new that I've been working on which is kind of unfortunate I, w- I would like to but uh that's a, definitely a goal for me in the next like couple months to get started on something new
0: yeah. Well, given where I've been at lately, I definitely understand that sometimes you spend more time on life than you do on code. So
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's the balance in there somewhere that yeah. I haven't found yet <laughs> since moving. <Well,
0: laughs> I, I think balance is an illusion. It's you know, am I able to take care of the things that I need to take care of? That's the balance, I guess. But
1: yeah, yeah. I think that though. I was the when I gave that talk at at Developer Week. It was, I remember right before it was happening, like a couple hours before and I was so stressed out and I was like, I'm never doing this again. Like this was, (laughs) I I, I can't do it again. I can't put myself through this. And then, uh, and then it was over and then I was like, okay, like once a year, maybe I'll try and do it once a year. Cause it's really, it's, it's like, I spent probably, I don't know, like a whole work week on the slides. Uh and uh you know and on a demo and stuff it was so much work and i was so stressed out but it ended up being like really rewarding and and people you know said they learned a lot from my talk and stuff like that and people were really interested around us so i was able to get people like excited i was pretty proud of how that presentation turned out and so that's i need to like i want to do something like that again yeah um yeah i hope i didn't that wasn't the peak for me that would be unfortunate
0: (laughs) No, it it probably isn't. I mean, you know, people they they have all kinds of experiences with stuff, and yeah, you know, keep speaking, keep getting out there because you know people people are interested in different things, and you'll find different levels of payoff for different kinds of things. Yeah. So, uh, so what you've been working on now mostly has just been moving, and and all that kind of stuff, right? Are,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Are there particular areas that you're looking forward to diving back into?
1: Yeah, so I have been learning. So the the project I'm working on right now, we're using TypeScript, which I mentioned, mm-hmm. and Angular, like like Angular two or like the newest Angular, right? And uh, RxJS, which is like a reactive programming library. Mm-hmm. So I Angular is like very interesting to me, and and the The thing that is particularly interesting that i think like i kind of have thought of like very high level thought about like trying to dive into is the dependency injection in angular that's like a thing that people that use angular are always like what is this like what is going on here i think that's like kind of a, a confusing part of angular for a lot of users when i started reading about it at first that was what I like remember taking away being like they use this weird dependency injection, but like other than that, it's easy to use. But the dependency injection is um, it's kind of similar to how, to how um, people work at Google. So, so I feel like mm-hmm. with that knowledge and then learn, also learning Angular for the first time that I could try and get a good perspective on being able to explain dependency injection in a more uh, straightforward way, so so I'm kind of thinking about that as a potential thing to to really like go deep into, and then and then TypeScript. Like I really like TypeScript. We use TypeScript, and I'm using VS Code, and then combined, you get like the IDE is really nice. So like when you can hover over something and see what type it's supposed to return, it just actually makes my life so much easier. I never thought that it would. I I was just like. JavaScript is the best thing ever, and now I'm using TypeScript, and I'm like, well, actually, maybe
0: not. Yeah, that makes sense. I I really dig TypeScript myself, and I've used Angular off and on for a while. Uh, We have a podcast about Angular on the network, so you know, I've I've dug into it when I have time, and yeah, it's it's terrific stuff. Uh, I'm curious, have you looked at resources as far as picking it up? Is there something that you're thinking? Oh, this is the way to go.
1: No. I, I mean, I read the documentation. I haven't. That's what I'm starting to, it's not that easy to, there doesn't seem to be, um, like for React, I remember that I just read the React documentation. Like there's one page in particular that like everything leads, like if you any like search leads back to this page. But for Angular, I haven't had, I don't find that there's a source that's as clear as the React one. Like I have, I I have difficulty finding um, like stuff about the templates. There's a lot of like keywords and stuff like that uh-huh. that uh, I find that it's not really like I haven't really found a central source that actually talks about all the keywords that you can use. And so I end up like a combination of like the docs and then like Stack Overflow examples. Mm-hmm. But I haven't actually found like a, a single source. I mean, the, the docs are okay to get started. Like, they, I, I had read, read those to get started, but I didn't find that they were enough.
0: Yeah, that trying. makes sense. Um, one thing that helped me when I was getting started, I'll just throw in here, and this, this, this is about your story, but I think it's something that will help people if you're trying to get into Angular, is I went and worked through the um, Tour of Heroes tutorial.
1: Oh. And that,
0: that really kind of helped me get a handle on what was going on and how everything fit together.
1: Yeah, I should check that out.
0: Yeah, and it's it's uh, in the Angular documentation. It's a I think Angular.io slash tutorial.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. But it's it's hard to um I find when I'm starting a job like I'm I want to like get work out quickly like mm-hmm. you know get my first like like you know contributions in there. So then I I end up just like try like looking for like very specific answers to my angular questions and I don't actually really learn that much about it so that's what I uh, that's what I want to start focusing on now is like a high level how this stuff works and then and then I can start you know not just for like my very very specific use cases and then and then I think I could start uh you know learning more about it and, and potentially something to to like share my knowledge with later but I, I think the, the cool thing about um working here is that you can kind of you, you can you know talk to the people that are working on Angular and mm-hmm. and and get some insight that way I'm I'm sure like you can start you can you can try and you know spend some time working on it if you wanted to I haven't looked into that yet because I just started but that's something that I would like to do.
0: Yep, absolutely. And I found that most core teams for most projects like Angular are pretty approachable. So
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, people, that's the nice thing about, you know, like the, the communities and stuff is I feel like people, people want you to use their stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's in their best interest to, you know, make it help you to use it.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, cool. So uh, do you have another talk in mind when you go start? uh you know, getting out there and getting ready to go again or no, just...
1: I have a list. My list has one thing on it right now and it's angular dependency injection, but uh I don't know. Uh I, I was thinking so that's top that's up there. Some another some of the things I say about some issue with TypeScript. This React or RXJS Reactive uh-huh. Programming Library, that's kind of interesting. I don't know much about reactive programming. So that could also be an interesting route to go down, like talking about reactive programming because I did functional programming and now I could try and go down reactive programming, but I don't think I like it enough yet. I don't really, it's it's a bit hard to use. So I'm not convinced that I'd be able to sell it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I haven't looked at the RXJS documentation, but I understand that it's reasonably easy to pick up. And uh, Ben Lesh, who is the main developer for uh, RxJS, jo- joined the Angular team a few months ago. And so, oh,
1: I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's like promises. It's just a lot of promises. Is kind of how I've how I've tried to uh, like when I'm trying to figure out how I do something, I can often try and think about it like like how it would work, how this would work if it was a promise, mm-hmm. and then uh, I can usually get somewhere.
0: Yeah, the the approach is a little bit different, but it yeah, it's just kind of the same idea because it's asynchronous events and things like that. But, yeah.
1: yeah, I would like to look into that more. That that's an I think the top on my list of potential next talks would be something to do with Angular and something to do with RxJS. But this is like a very high level. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I I kind of would be good to make connections like within the office to see if you know people would want to you know, partner up on, you know, learning that way rather than me just, you know, doing it by myself. It doesn't really make sense to try and learn this by myself when I'm working in the building where the people that wrote the thing are. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't, you know, that seems like a bit of a waste time, I think.
0: Um, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
1: So I should work. Yeah, working on those connections would be good.
0: Definitely. Well, if I can help you out with that, let me know.
1: Oh, for sure. Thank you very much.
0: All right, well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about on this show? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android. And all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says, pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section.
1: Yeah, sure. So I have like binge listened to a podcast called The Pitch. It's uh, they describe it or people describe it as like Dragon's Den, but podcast form. I never watched Dragon's Den. Basically, you have in, like actual investors, like either angel investors or investors from funds and then people with their business. So they come on, they pitch their business to the there's four investors and then they, they you right. know ask questions and then they do or do not invest. And then they follow They the end of the episode, they always follow up. So like after due diligence, often it doesn't work out. But the thing that's cool about it is now that I'm not really working in a startup now, like like listening to the startup mentality, I think is super cool. Like, like these people are so excited about their project and working super hard to get it off the ground. And that's really cool and inspiring. So I've been listening to so many of those episodes. That's a, that's a podcast by like Gimlet media, which I love mm-hmm. on their podcast. And now that I'm in New York, I want to go like knock on their, office door and like see I'm just like obsessed with Gimlet I think their (laughs) podcast if anyone from Gimlet was listening to this like let me in let me let me meet all the cool people that work there but anyways um so that's really cool the other thing that I've been listening podcast I've been listening to is how I built this as an NPR podcast Uh and it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum to the pitch because uh, on how I built this they interview people that have built like successful like brands. So like the one I was listening to this morning was the the guy that founded WeWork, or um, there's uh-huh. a guy that founded Lyft, or Steve Madden, Lonely Planet, and and so it's kind of interesting to listen to the the pitch and in contrast with how I built this because it's like how the people on how I built this are the people from the pitch that succeeded. <laughs> And and it's listening to like how hard these people had to like hustle and how hard they worked, how scrappy they were to get their businesses off the ground is just insane. Like I have so much admiration for those people and it it is really inspiring. I feel like for me to just... Awesome. Yeah. So that's really... I, I love those podcasts right now.
0: Yeah. It sounds like Shark Tank a little bit.
1: I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But I think that's what—that's like the
0: idea. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I've been going through some of the startup life, so I, I get some of that. But yeah, it sounds interesting. I might have to pick some of those up.
1: Yeah, there's there's Gimlet also makes one called Startup. That's good too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I remember when Gimlet split off from NPR. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the founder's name, but he he was an NPR
1: Alex person. Alex Bloomberg.
0: Alex Bloomberg. Yep. And he kind of went off and did his own thing.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's successful. Well, they have lots of really good podcasts, but I don't know because I, I listen to them. So then you think that yep. it's really successful.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, they're still in business. So <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks. So yeah, I've, I've really been enjoying Visual Studio Code. You mentioned that on the show.
2: Yeah.
0: Cool. I just went through a minor issue with it where I upgraded my machine to macOS Mojave. Um, oh. I'm on the beta of Mojave because it's not out yet. It'll come out before this goes live. So people are going to be like, what? You're still on the beta? No, I'm not <laughs> still on the beta when it goes live. When it comes out live. But uh, I had reasons for upgrading. And so I did. And uh, it couldn't find Git. And so I had to upgrade my Xcode command line tools. And then it worked.
1: Oh, so. interesting.
0: Anyway, so yeah, Git is back. And then I'm also going to pick my calendar software. Just because people ask me all the time, You know how I manage all of the things I have going on. I mean, last week I recorded, I think, 17 podcast episodes. Today I have done five, and over the course of the week, I will have recorded probably another seven or eight.
1: A lot of podcast episodes.
0: Yeah. Of course, the week after that, I'm going to Microsoft Ignite and I'll be doing podcast episodes there, Microsoft. Has flown me out to several other events. And then I've interviewed people for the podcast there. But it'll be a little different because I'll be doing it live, but that's always fun. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I use BusyCal and it hooks up to Google Calendar. So I've just been using Google Calendar Busy Cal, and BusyCal, uh, and it's pretty awesome. I've, I've been pretty happy with that. Uh, one other thing a lot of people have been asking me how I schedule the podcasts. And we just switched. We were using uh, schedule once before, but Google Calendar actually added appointment slots. And so you booked through schedule once, but yeah. from here on in, people are going to be booking on the shows with Google Calendar until I get my podcasting software together. And then they'll be using that instead. So anyway, it's, it's a feature, you just set up an appointment on your calendar, and then you tell it that it's appointment slots instead of event. And then it'll ask you how many appointments you want in there and then it just kind of runs. So it's been pretty cool.
1: What does the BusyCal do that Calendar doesn't do?
0: Well, it's a local app. And uh, the view on the week is just a little bit easier to deal with. Uh, So, yeah. And I don't have to have it open in the browser. Because I I also uh, have a plugin. Maybe I'll pick this too. I have a plugin called Tab Wrangler. And it shuts tabs down that I'm not using. And so I'd have to open up the calendar whenever I wanted it instead of just going to the screen that it's on and then using the uh, Mac OS, I forget what they call it, but it's the different views. So you hit control right or left because I have my calendar full screened and it'll just bring it over so I can see it. So yeah, when I'm canceling or rescheduling, I usually do it through the web app because it gives me the chance to give people a reason for why I'm canceling or moving stuff. And BusyCal doesn't have that feature yet, but just looking at the calendar, it's really nice because it just pulls it in and lets me see what's going on, so. Cool. Anyway, uh, those are my picks. If people want to find you online, where do they go?
1: GitHub is like C-H-R, L-E-G-G-E-C-H-R. Same with Twitter. I'm not very active though. Okay. But those are the places to go. I'll like if people send me messages and stuff on Twitter, I'll get them. But I just don't uh, post, Mm -hmm. basically. So yeah, that's the that's the. uh, Maybe I should start posting. I like Twitter. I'm kind of a Twitter fan, but I haven't started using it yet.
0: Yeah, I like Twitter. My problem is is that I wind up spending a ton of time. I get lost in Twitter. And stuff like so
1: <laughs> I only downloaded Twitter like, a, like in February because for my presentation on Ramda, I was using the Twitter API. That's the only reason why I got Twitter. So I'm like about five years late to the party, but I kind of like it.
0: <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, end the episode, but thank you for coming.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it.
0: Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.